Well, good morning. We really are genuinely glad that you are here today. Thanks for coming to the house of the Lord. Experienced a wonderful time of worship, and it's my privilege today uh, to share the word of the Lord um, with you also. Our sermon title today, as you can see, is Mind the Gap. And you say, okay, where did that come from, Dwayne? It came from England. It came from England. As you know, just a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, we were in England, and uh, we found out England's a, somewhat like America, but sometimes different. And I wrote a blog that will be published this week um, talking about the different words in England that, well, are just different. You know, there's American English, and then there's British English, English and so we picked up on several of those. Uh, to kind of introduce the message, I kind of thought it would be interesting to show you a few of the words that I thought were really good. We, we found the English... British English language, just a little bit poetic. For instance, one of the words that we, I fell in love with is the word cheeky. Cheeky. I, we heard this so often over there. You know, oh, you're being cheeky or whatever. And it means um, disrespectful, but in usually a playful or appealing way. To banter, to, to be like, you know, two chickens kind of messing with each other, okay, to banter with one another. And we had this great couple, and uh, their name was, was Joy and Steve, and they said it, I didn't. They were just known as a couple. Remember last week we talked about how two opposites can attract? Well, that's, they're kind of opposites, okay? And they banter with one another. And they would say, oh, you're being cheeky. You're being cheeky. And uh, I know, I guess, Sometimes I'm cheeky also. But this probably is my favorite. We bumped into this on a bulletin board in the apartment where we stayed. And there on the bulletin was no fly tipping. I'm going, what in the world? Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I said, you know, what, what does this mean? And so I had to, I had to ask, um, you know, no fly. You know, perhaps you've heard the, you know, a phrase kind of like they're on the fly. Okay, so that part you can almost get, it means to do something in motion, something in motion. The word tipping, and you can see there, is to illegally dump rubbish. Okay, now, now, here's what's weird. This is not littering. This is not you roll your window down and chuck out a cup, okay? Apparently, the dump fees are very expensive in England, and so when people have couches, chairs, televisions, things like that, what they'll do is they'll either stop real quick and chuck it, all right, um, or if, if they have a possibility of a, a kind of vehicle, they'll slide the door open and chuck it out. One woman was standing there uh, in her backyard, and over the wall came a television and several other items, okay? And so people put this stuff out. They dump this rubbish, and so a big deal is no fly tipping. I just thought that was just kind of cool. Now, another word, okay, and this is a, this is a word that's particularly for, for Lester, okay, and it says, I up my duck, I up my duck. Now, now again, it has nothing that we could tell um, to do with a duck, all right, but it means, hello, dear, I up my duck, isn't that weird? And how about this, he's gora cob on, that means, that just kind of sounds like the person's upset, and then, if you're going to let a flat you're going to rent an apartment. You need to know this just in case. Either watching British TV or you go over there, you need to know all of this. But then the part that pertains to our sermon today, and they call their subway the tube. The tube. You don't, you know, it's like you know, ours, you know, we know in subway, you might think a sandwich, but more likely you're going to think about uh, going somewhere. But they call the tube, and it's quite amazing. And then when you get on the subway, or on the tube, all right, they, they will say like this, 
The next station is Paddington. Mind the gap. I got that down pat. Mind the gap. You hear it every single time the door opens. And here's the deal. Sometimes, sometimes the gap is pretty small, but sometimes it can be like seven, eight inches, okay? And the, and the fact is, if you get your foot stuck in there, you might lose a leg because these things come and go almost automatically. And so they're saying you need to mind the gap. You need to mind the gap. Well, today we want to talk about a gap, not one that's six or seven inches, but we want to talk of one that could happen spiritually in our lives. In other words, you know, we need to be careful that we mind the gap in our life. I, you know, I go and throw the next slide up, please. All right. So spiritually, spiritually, minding the gap, spiritually, the distance between reality and the truth. Reality and the truth. In other words, it's when you say one thing and do another. It's when God's word says one thing and you do another. And what we have there, we have this, this gap between reality. And what I want to point out to you today is that we need to be careful to mind that gap. Because often, often it can be damaging to our lives, to our character, to our testimony, to our families, um, to our marriage. Now, to, to be minding the gap is to pay attention to the tension. Now, that's worth writing down. It's not original with me. Um, that's Andy Stanley. Came out with a message a long time ago, a whole series, in fact, about paying attention to the tension. So what you're going to find out, and you may already know this. So, so when there is a gap between what you say and what you do spiritually, what the Word of God says and what you actually do, often there's tension. Now, we might call that, we might call that a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, when our secretary, Barbara, asked me a question about what did it mean when the Bible says that God sent an evil spirit upon Saul when he had disobeyed. I said, well, Barbara, that's a really big question, but I wouldn't be surprised if part of that is the convicting power. Have you ever been under convicting power? Have you ever sinned and known it and God gets all over you? You know, it almost feels like an evil spirit kind of thing. Okay, well, 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 listen, you know, you know there's a tension because when we're doing something that's disobedient to God, there's this tension because the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, hey, you don't need to be doing that. It helps us to mind the gap. So we want to spend today talking about minding the gap. Now, our piece of armor that Paul wants to introduce to us today is found in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 17, the first part. And he says... Put on salvation as your helmet. Put on salvation as your helmet. Now, the whole verse, the whole verse literally means that your mind needs to belong to God. When you have salvation as your helmet, your mind belongs to God. We want to talk the whole time exactly about that. How, do you, how can you help your mind? How can you close the gap? And how can your mind belong to God? To God is huge. And, and why did Paul choose that? Well, he knew something we need to know. Satan loves to mess with our mind. He can't have your heart. Once you, once you become a Jesus follower, you, he can't have you. But what he can have is your mind. And he loves to mess with your mind. So we're going to look at today how can salvation serve as a helmet to protect our mind. Let's look at our teaching point. 
if this is worth writing down and definitely worth remembering, okay? Whoever controls your mind controls your life. Whoever controls your mind controls your life. And may I, may I do this? Whatever controls your mind controls your life, okay? So this brain thing is hugely Important. Um, you know, Judy is starting a study about mental health in her Sunday school class, and Greg Rochelle does a great job with various messages. But you know, I've heard I mean I've heard preacher after preacher after preacher, you know, people that are smarter than I am, talk about the mind and how the mind will make these neural pathways. And whatever it is we flood the mind with, the mind's a very efficient organ, and it will actually make new pathways, and so it becomes default. Whatever your big thoughts are in life. It becomes your default thought. Okay, so if you're in trouble, you if you if you think about negative and say fear, fear, fear. Guess what your mind's going to automatically go toward? Yep, you guessed it, fear. You guessed it, fear. So it's just hugely important that we let God control our mind. Let let God control our strongest thoughts because whatever our strongest thoughts are, here's Greg Groeschel's quote: "Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. It's going to happen." And by the way. Can I just say something you're going to disagree with? I mean, I got the mic, you know. There's a couple of things we really need to reconsider in the world that we live in. And and one is the news. Um, I made a decision a long time ago to limit my news intake. Um, About six or seven weeks ago, I made a decision to totally turn it off. Um, Here's why. I know, I know I'm ignorant. I was talking to a brother this week, and he said something. I go, what is that? And it was something that had been on the news and I didn't know about. Um, but the bottom line is, if you know anything, if you turn on the news, it's, it's going to be negative, 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 negative. Um, I, had, I had limited my news watching to the uh, 6 o'clock uh, news on, on uh, KFS, the Cape Girardeau Channel. I, started, I wanted to get to the weather, so I would watch the first 15 minutes. And what it turned out to be that it was negative, you know, rape, murder, incest, the government did this, murder this, and murder that. And then I turned right around and tried to have my quiet time with the good news. And I found that really impacted me. So I want to encourage you to manage the amount of news that you watch. It's a very, it can be a very negative experience. Just take it, take it from a guy who's trying to help. Okay, and the second thing, I, you probably didn't like that. You're going to hate this. Be careful with social media. Be careful with social media. Um, so it's funny. Facebook can be a positive thing, but Facebook can be a cesspool. I mean, it's just it's amazing some of the things I hear that people put on Facebook. And it can be real. And, and one of the big things is it can make you. You know, everybody puts their billboards up, how perfect their life is, and you look at your life, and your life really stinks. Okay, and, and it's just discontentment and jealousy thing swells up. So be careful with social media. Um, Dwayne, what do you do with social media? Well, I'm on Facebook two times. Um, number one is, uh, and actually Judy does this. Judy posts our Grits with Grace blog. Okay, it's on there five days a week. We have a Facebook page. And by the way, if you haven't discovered that, do a search in Facebook and you will find Grits with Grace. It's a devotional thing we write um, five days a week. Uh, that is one time. And then I'll get an email and it says that Marsha is having a birthday. And I do my best, now if I do that, to go to Marsha's page and wish her happy birthday. And that is just about the extent of my Facebook experience. I'm one of those people that have a bent to 
think negatively. Um, my glass too often is half empty. So it's really important I guard my mind. And that's just two ways that I do it. Because we know whoever controls your mind controls your life. So I told you what not to do. Wouldn't it be helpful if I told you what we should do? Well, that would be helpful. Yeah, yeah, we need to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. You know, you know, Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 says, you know, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. How is anybody know? By the renewing of your mind. And how we renew our mind is the word of God. You know, uh, no place Paul writes and says, let the word of God dwell richly within you. So that's how we, that's how we guard and protect our mind. Now, our next teaching point begins introducing this idea of salvation. Because I know, don't we normally, when we talk about salvation, we talk about a date and time. We talk about Jesus dying on the cross to pay for our sins, and then Jesus invites every person to have faith in him, believe him, and God will forgive our sins and give us the hope of heaven. We think about a date and time. But if you think about it, why would Paul put, put on helmet as, helmet as a salvation? Your salvation as your helmet if that's all it was, a date and time. And actually, it's much bigger than that. I casually mentioned this before, but I've not preached a message on it. Before I do the teaching point, let me tell you a story. Um, we were in Germany, so it had to be 77, 78, or 79, 19 before that. Um, and so we were there, and it was really cool. In our church, we had this couple that would pop in and out. They would be in three or four times a year. And guess what they did? They smuggled Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. This is back when the Iron Curtain, the Cold War was going full measure in the Iron Curtain. And what they would, they had an RV that had shipped over or bought there, and they would hide these Bibles in their RV and then attempt to get them into East Germany. And it's really cool. John uh, posed as a rich Texas millionaire, and trust me, he looked and acted the part. And Gwen was just elegant. Uh, opposites are track. This, this elegant lady, this so intelligent lady. And so this is what they did. Well, Gwen and I were standing, and for some reason... I was at the piano, but I just don't think that's right because I don't play the piano. Well, I knew three chords, C, G, and F. Um, so it may have been. It may have been. But she walked up and said, Dwayne, can I, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, well, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3, and this is the Dwayne Taylor translation out of my mind, it says, you know, the Bible says, you know, that God has blessed, past tense, God has blessed, past tense, um, us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In other words, it's saying that, that somehow God has already blessed us, already blessed us with all these spiritual blessings, blessings in heaven. And I said, yeah. And she goes, do you understand that? Do you believe that? Well, shoot, I didn't want to appear dumb. So I told her, yeah, I understand that. She goes... No, you don't. No, you don't. She was just flat out honest. The truth was, that truth was beyond my 23, Trey, about your age, you know, 23-year-old brain to really get. I mean, it's a great and powerful truth. And, and by the way, the truth of the scripture is that our salvation, and we're going to talk about this, our salvation is so secure that God sees us as if we were already there. 
He's already extended blessings into heaven as if we were already there. It's really quite amazing. So, so I tell you that story to say this. These truths may just be hard to get your arms around. Uh, because, again, when we think about salvation, we think about just really the date in the past that we have. Okay? Well, let's look and see what I've written. Okay? Um, we need to see our salvation as more than just a point in time. And that's great. It's great if you think about that day in your history. Okay? But we need to go bigger because I promise you in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, when Paul said, put on salvation as a helmet, he was thinking more. He was thinking Bigger than just a date in history. Well, what is it then? Well, there are three, and I couldn't find the word. You know, sometimes I write this stuff and I can't find the word. You know, there are three stages. There's three phases. There's three points um, of our salvation. And here they are. Now, again, you've heard this before, but I hope I'll explain it really much in detail today. You know, those three stages look like this. We were saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. In other words, there's a point in time in the past when we, quote, were saved. And there's a time in the future where we will be saved, that point in time. And in between a lifetime, a lifetime that we are being saved. Uh, another way, and it's just a great truth. You know, another way to look at it and help you understand. This will help you, by the way, understand just how much God did for you. What, what did God do for you when you were saved? Okay? This helps us understand this. Okay? It makes, it makes us see a clearer picture, a broad picture of salvation. Uh, another way to look at this is, is, one, in the past, you know, God dealt with the penalty of our sin. And then we learn how to be bro- free from the power of sin. You know, we preachers like all these letters that start the same thing. And, and then one day we'll be delivered from the presence of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. This salvation thing is that big. Um, Rick Warren uh, has another way of saying it. Rick Warren says, um, through salvation, through salvation, um, our past has been forgiven, our present is giving meaning, and our future is secure. Isn't that good? Our past has been forgiven. Boy, y'all write that one down. If you're one one like me who has all this baggage I bring from the past, yeah, keep reminding ourselves, hey, our past is forgiven. Our present is giving us meaning. Wow, how good is that? And our future is secured in Jesus. Well, we won't talk about those three things today. So let's jump in. Here's first off this. You know, the first thing we want to look at is we were saved. We were saved. Our regeneration. We were saved. Our regeneration. Now, look at Titus 3, 5. And this is a verse we look at every once in a while. It's a great verse telling us how, what, what God did for us. First off, notice this. He saved us. Now, I underlined that. And I also colored it in green. And on my sheet, that means this is important. This is important. Because this is something we know, but there's a gap. We know, but there's a gap, okay? He saved us. We didn't save us. We don't save us. It was he, not we. 
And that, and that saved, that saved thing, man. Man, we were lost. We were sinners separated from God, the enemy of God. You know, Jesus comes and dies on a Roman cross. And then God says this, if you will believe, if you will believe, I will forgive your sins. If you're willing to turn from your sins, I'll forgive your sins. And if you're willing to follow my son, then I'm willing to bring you into the family. How great is that? He saved us. He redeemed us. He rescued us. I mean, do you understand that when you got Jesus, what you got? Do you understand when you got Jesus, what you got? He saved us. But now watch this. Not by, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done. So, so again, it was him saving us. And we had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to bring to the table. In fact, we are, remember we learned last week? Do you remember that? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. And we talked about, well, it means salvation, but it also means even the faith to believe wasn't ours. We had nothing to do with our salvation except accepting the gift that God gave us. You know, he saved us not by works of right. We got nothing. We got nothing. We bring nothing to the table, not by works of righteousness that we have done. Okay? Wow. How powerful is that? But here's the hidden nugget. This is one of the most, this is one of the most strongest verses that deal with our eternal security. Can a believer lose their salvation? Can, their believer, can a believer lose their salvation? Now, let me just clarify a moment. Can a true believer in Jesus lose their salvation? And the answer is no. And the answer is no. Once you are truly born again, you are secure in your faith. Because, again, if this wasn't true, okay, if, in fact, we could be saved by works of righteousness, then that would mean, because, see, old people who don't believe in eternal security say, well, if you quit doing it, Dude, we don't rest in doing, we rest in done. We rest in done. Okay? So, 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 so if it was works of righteousness, when I stop working, I could start losing. But Paul makes it clear, not by works of righteousness. You are, if you have trusted Christ, if you're a genuinely born again believer in Jesus Christ, you are saved for eternity. You had nothing to do with getting it. And you can't lose it. You can't lose it. Such a wonderful, wonderful truth. Well, then, how were we saved, Wayne? Well, fortunately, Paul tells us. He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. I am not held by my ability, Joe. I'm not held by my ability to perform. I'm not held by my ability to do. I am held by and saved by the mercy of God. Do you remember, was it last week we talked about the character of God? Faith is is coming to terms with the character of God. Let me just tell you something, dudettes and dudes. Okay? We are saved by his mercy and we are held by his mercy. And and when, when God changes his character and changes his mercy... That's when we'll lose our salvation. That ain't going to happen. Amen. That ain't going to happen. Over in Lamentations chapter 3, 22 and 23. You know, we talked about it's by your mercies, it's by your mercies that we are not consumed. And your mercies are new every day. 
So you are sa- if you're saved today, you are saved not by any input of yourself. It is the mercy of God, according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration. And that word washing does not refer to baptism. It's like a total bath deal. It's like a total bath. And the bath is through the Holy Spirit. This makes it clear. But according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration. Circle that word in your Bible. The word regeneration means literally, literally to be born again. Just like Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Paul comes along with the same teaching and says, listen, you're saved by his mercy through the washing of being born again. Okay? And renewal. The word renewal simply means to be made new. And who does all that? The Holy Spirit. Not us. The Holy Spirit. So we are regenerated by his mercy, nothing that we've done, by his mercy through the Holy Spirit who who makes us, causes us to be born again and to be made new. Now, another great scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17. We know this one. We know this one. You know, if, therefore, if anyone, anyone, black, white, green, yellow, rich, poor, anyone who's, anyone who's willing to turn to Jesus, the best and the worst of us, anyone who's willing to turn, and by the way, just for free, the best of us, Need as much as God's grace as the worst of us. I mean, that's just the truth. If anyone is in Christ, that term in Christ literally means to be in a relationship with. I don't know where I picked this up. Someone told me or something, but apparently on Facebook, you can put in a relationship. You know what that means? You're off the market. If you're looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend, I'm not available. I'm off the market. And amen and amen and amen. If anyone's in Christ, you are. Hey, Satan, I'm off the market. Hey, world, I'm off the market. Hey, hey, people, I'm off the market because I am in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old passes away and see the new has come. We become New. Now, now that doesn't mean we become perfect. Every once in a while, I bumped in someone and says, I don't sin. Son, you need to reevaluate. Okay? We're saved, but we still are not perfect. We still sin. You know, I always say, we're not perfect, we're forgiven. And we're, while our sins are forgiven, we still do commit sin. And boy, I missed this slide in first service. And boy, I don't want to miss it this time. It's a story, a quote from John Newton. Does anybody know who John Newton is? Yeah, he wrote, he wrote Amazing Grace, didn't he? Now, John Newton was a slave trader. He was a captain of a slave ship. And he was known for his brutality. He was known for his cruelty. And if I remember the story right, and boy, I'm just pulling this out of my memory. The story is right. He was in a very severe storm, and he cried out, and God said, God, if you will save me from the storm, I will serve you. And he did survive the storm, and he devoted his life then as a new believer to following Christ. Now, amazingly, amazingly, he stayed as a slave trader for a few more years before finally God opened his eyes and said, this is wrong, and he gave it up. But look at the quote. I, this, is, this is 517, 2 Corinthians 5, in action. I am not the man I ought to be. Can you stay into that? Aren't there times we're all not the men and women we ought to be? Truth is, come on. I, I am not the man I wish to be. That's true, that's true. And I am not the man I hope to be. 
But here's where we all say amen. But by the grace of God, I am not the man I used to be. And we need to clap and accelerate, celebrate that because, you know what? We're not what we ought to be. We're not what we hope to be. But we are so grateful, all of us that are in Christ, we are not what we used to be. Amen? Isn't that good stuff? Isn't that good stuff? So that all is, all right, we were saved. We were regenerated. But then we move to this next one. We are being saved. We are being saved. And our scripture there is 1 Thessalonians 5.23a. Let's take a look at that one. Um, Now may the God of peace um, himself sanctify you completely. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. So so we, we are saved. There's this date and time. But then God begins a process of sanctifying us. Now, the word sanctify there means a couple of things. One, it means to be set apart. So God spends from the day we're saved until the day we die, a date in history, a date in the future, a lifetime of living, okay? God spends that time setting us apart. He spends that time making us like Jesus. I love it because... Brent, apparently God stuck something in your heart um, when we talked about willing off whatever doesn't look like Jesus. That's what sanctification is. It's what sanctification is. So, so we, we spend this lifetime, and God introduces teachings and His Word and even circumstances for the process of making us like Jesus. Um, he doesn't spend the lifetime trying to make us happy. We may be happy, but that's not His purpose. His purpose is another set-apart word, holy. God is more interested in our holiness than our happiness. Now, again, if you listen to some bad theology, if you listen to the, uh, the uh, wealth um, theology, okay, you would think that you get saved and God owes it to you to keep you 100% healthy and 100% rich. That's just not biblical. The process. You know, have you ever had a time in your life when things were difficult? And you go, God, what are you doing? I am your child. I'm faithfully serving you. What are you doing? And here's the answer. God is making you like Jesus. And often that means, are you hearing me? Are you listening? That often means going through difficult times. When, When he said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That's what he's talking about. He wants to spend the entire, your entire lifetime making you more and more like Jesus. That's what he's there for. You know, Galatians 2.20 is another way of saying all of that. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. So, so you need to understand that, that when, remember we said, you know, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. That passed away term is not bad use, because when we are saved, we die to self. We die to self, okay? I no longer live. But watch this. But Christ lives in me. Isn't that cool? Did you see something? I talked about that, that, that we're in Christ. Now we find out that Christ is in us. It's a, it's a dual thing. We're in Christ and Christ is in us. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now watch. The life I now live in the, in the body, I live by faith. We talked about last week. I live by faith. Who? Directed who? And the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Man, how powerful is that? 
How powerful. That we are in Christ and Christ is in us. That's the process of sanctification. Now, quickly, let's look at the best part. You know, not only have we been saved, a date in the past, God spends a lifetime, you know, we are being saved, but ultimately we will be saved. We will be pulled from the presence of sin forever. Our scripture is Romans chapter 8, verse 18. It's our glorification, okay? Here's what Paul says. For I consider, I wager, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, anybody have any sufferings? Bodies that don't work, broken marriages, difficult parents, difficult careers. You don't understand what's going on in the world, okay? Paul just says, hang on, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. He's saying, he's saying listen, you need to know something. Better is coming. And he says, there is better than here. Hey, student guys and gals, listen. I know you are so young, you know, heaven like is not even on your radar. Let's just be honest, okay? It's not on your radar. And I understand that. But I also want you to understand this as your pastor. Don't lose sight of heaven. You know, when, remember when your parents walked in, they said you're getting a divorce and your world fell apart. Or somebody at school decided they were going to pick on you for the rest of your life. Or at least it seemed that way. Or maybe, maybe a student dies in a car wreck and you didn't understand it. You know, you need to understand something. That when we trust Jesus, there's something better than this. Now, this might be good. You may have the boyfriend you want and dad and mom bought you a cool car. All that. It may be good. But there is better. Don't lose hope of there is better. And, and guys, hey, adults, same thing. We must not lose sight that there is going to be better. And you know what I like about it? This was a point in time. This is a lifetime. This has no time. Forever and ever. Amen, Barbara. Forever and ever and ever. There's a quote that I think, thinking about it, I think it was like two years ago. And I wrote a blog on it. And I actually republished the blog. That's how good it was. It's a true story. I'm a pastor went to the doctor and found out he had stage four terminal cancer and so he was dealing with it you know pastors are human by the way as judy's teaching in the class you know christians do have mental health issues okay and he was wrestling with this so he went out to one of his favorite places out in nature and imagine with me if you can that that here in this shallow valley there's a river and the river's flowing And imagine beyond the river, this beautiful mountain range, majestic and powerful. And here's what he said. He said, river, when you stop flowing to the sea, river, when you stop flowing from the sea toward the sea, and mountains, when you are gone, I will still be alive. Does that not put it in perspective? River, when you stop flowing to the sea, mountains, when you are gone, I will still be alive. And that's the power and the majesty of what waits for us there. You know, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, However, as it is written, you know, he says, 
No eye has seen. You've got to keep this in perspective. If your heart's breaking today because of the world, if, if your life is wounded and hurt, your heart's breaking, listen, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. It will be worth it all. Amen? It will be worth it all. All right, let me share a quote with you, and we're going to call this thing done. The quote is this. Don't, have a, don't know who said it, but it's a good one. Fix your thoughts on God, and he will fix your thoughts. Now, isn't that good? Sometimes the most simplest things. Fix your thoughts on God, and he will fix your thoughts. As we go through this life, this journey, and it's difficult, and knowing that Satan loves to have your brain, and knowing that your brain has a default, and when we flood it with negative and negative and negative and negative, the default will be the first thing your brain, when a new thought is needed, the first thing that, that your brain's going to do is go to the default. And the default is negative, it impacts your life horribly. So we need to give God control of our minds so that the default will not be fear, it'll be faith. The default will not be the God of this world, it'll be the God in heaven. Fix your thoughts on God, and he will fix your thoughts. Three questions this morning. Number one, do you know you're going to heaven? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Have you bumped in with Jesus Christ, and do you have the absolute absolute certainty that he forgave your sins, and that if you were to die right now, you go to heaven. That's what God offers. And my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And if you can't nail that down, if, if you're thinking, well, I don't know, I've had doubts about it so long, I just don't know, okay? Why don't you come down and talk to Brent? Again, for me, it was age 21. That's when I nailed it down. I've been in church all my life, and I had doubts and all of this, some of my own making, perhaps. But I nailed it down when I was 21. And God gave me a surety that I'm his child. Do you know you've been born again? Number two, are you moving forward? And I'm going to use the big word. Are you moving forward in your sanctification? So every day, what I'm trying to say is, every day, are you allowing God to make you more like Jesus? You, you know what that looks like? It looks like last Sunday when 795 people filled this building and over 100 people volunteered and served. That's sanctification. Service sanctification. It's this afternoon when a team is going up to Shiloh and do flood relief. Service sanctification. It's, it's when the party trailer's out. Service sanctification. It's when you're going to choose to not let the price of gas or bread or eggs determine what you give next week. You're going to honestly ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And some of you are going to be able to give thousands, and you should. Some of you are going to give hundreds, and you should. Some are going to give $5, and that's it. That's what you can do. Don't let next Sunday go by and do nothing. Do nothing. It's an opportunity to be sanctified in your service. Are you moving forward in your sanctification? And finally, is your hope set on heaven? Is your hope set on heaven? That you know that when that day does come, and we're sure not 
we are not guaranteed what day that is that I know I'm going to heaven. And you'll be able to say, yep, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. The time of decision, the altar's open. Maybe there's somebody you want to come pray with. Maybe it's you. Uh, Feel free to do that. My friend Brent will be here to receive any decision. If you want to know more about receiving Jesus and having that surety, he's here and I'm here to help in that situation. If you want to join our church family, that's great. We'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you want to recommit your life to to sanctifying service with God, allowing him to make you more and more like Jesus. And maybe you realize today that your hands are so full of the world that you don't have time for this world. And maybe today you want to open your arms and say, God, it's yours. It's yours. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing. Thank you for these great truths. Thank you for our date in history. Thank you for what you want to do in our lives right now. Thank you what the future holds. Thank you for freeing us from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and one day the presence of sin. If there's someone here today, Father, who needs to make that commitment to Christ, give them the courage to walk out and take Brent by the hand and say, Jesus, yes to you. Help us to all desire to have a progressive sanctification moving forward. And help us set our hearts on heaven. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name. Amen.